good morning. Let's begin in prayer, and then we're going to talk about being filled with the Holy Spirit. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are mindful each Sunday morning what a privilege it is to gather. You command us to, you, uh, you give us reason to gather. We have much to praise you for. Uh, we delight in being placed into the body of Christ and, and gathering with like-minded uh, believers to, to sing your praises, to sit under the preached word, to enjoy and benefit from fellowship with one another. And so I pray that would all take place today as we, as we study the word, as we pray together, as we, as we worship. Oh God, and we love you, we thank you, and we praise you. I uh, pray even now as we think about this topic that this would uh, be beneficial for each of us to, to think carefully upon just the ongoing and active ministry that that the Spirit has in the life of, of those whom he indwells. God, uh, we are in need of the Spirit to, to work in and through us in order to do anything that pleases you. And so we're, we're thankful for uh, this permanent indwelling of the Holy Spirit that we um, have and, and benefit from in our walk with you. So we, we love you and thank you and praise you for this time. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Well, here's what I'd like to do. I'm actually going to begin where I intend to conclude today. Just uh, a real brief reference to the passage that we'll focus on for a good bit of our time. That's going to be in Ephesians chapter 5. So we'll get there in a few minutes. But, but as we read Ephesians 5, verse 18, we're given a command and Paul writes, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Paul writes, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. So in this passage to the church, uh, Paul commands something of every believer, something that is to characterize every believer, something that an obedient Christian seeks to do would be to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit, Paul writes, Ephesians 5.18. So this command speaks to something that is very much important in the Christian life. Uh, and what's significant about even this command is that there's notably some disagreement about what, it, what is meant here, what is meant by be filled with the Holy Spirit. So we want to understand it, we want to seek to think rightly, we want to be biblical, in particular, because it's something that we're called to do. This is a command to the Christian to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So we want to understand what is meant by this statement, and then we want to be obedient to God's commands. So I really like where this falls in our study then. If we're going to talk about being filled with the Holy Spirit, we've been talking about the doctrine of the Holy Spirit for several months now, and all of those, the really comprehensively, what we've talked about is really going to help us to think carefully about this specific command. Because think of where we, where we began with the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. As we, as we spoke of the deity and personhood of the Holy Spirit, it's very clear as we walk through the scriptures that um, the, the Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, has eternally existed and has been actively involved in, in creation 
active in Old Testament saints, active certainly in New Covenant believers as well. So he's, he's very much active throughout all eternity. And so I, I think we even discussed some of the errors that have taken place in church history and, and um, misunderstanding the role of the Holy Spirit. And so some would even just attribute active ministry of the Holy Spirit only to a particular age, like the, the church age only. So, so in the Old Testament, you know, you had Father, and, and, and Ben walked us through this, this modalism view of uh, these three modes of, of, that God has. So God the Father in the Old Testament, God the Son during the life and ministry of Christ, and then now it's God the Spirit. And, and that's, that's a denial of the Trinity that is heterodox, that is... Um, um, problematic on, on every level, a gospel tier issue. And so if you don't see this, this reality that, that the one true God has eternally existed in three persons, um, and then you're recognizing that these three persons have been actively involved in, in creation, it's, it's true of the Spirit, it's true of the Father, it's true of the Son. And so we began there discussing the deity and then even the personhood of the Spirit. So you see that it's not... He's not just some force. This is a person that can be sinned against. You can grieve the Holy Spirit. You can quench the Holy Spirit. These are all things we discussed as we acknowledge the personhood of the Spirit. It's going to be helpful to even think through as we discuss being filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, as we continued in the study, we also, and I'm not, I'm not saying everything we've talked about. Uh, so, so there's more that we've talked about, but I'm just trying to think of some things that are going to help us in, in our topic this morning. So we talked about the deity and person of the Spirit. We also acknowledged that the Holy Spirit regenerates every believer. And so in order to come to God by faith, by grace, through faith, um, we uh, need to be regenerated. The Holy Spirit regenerates every believer. We also recognize that even in the New Testament, in the, the a reality that every new covenant believer experiences is that every believer is permanently indwelt by the Holy Spirit. So something that would be true of every uh, New Testament saint is that we are permanently indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Well, it was significant to acknowledge that that permanent indwelling is something that new covenant believers experience. And, and, we, and we see that in the scriptures that that wasn't how the Holy Spirit operated in the Old Testament. So while every believer, Old Testament, New Testament, had to be regenerated, and we see that the Spirit does this work of regeneration, not, um, not every Old Testament, well, well there was no like permanent indwelling that was experienced in the Old Testament. So we do see where the Spirit comes upon a particular king, comes upon a particular craftsman or a, a different occupation, different role, different task, even speaking the word. You do see moments where the Spirit comes upon someone, in, indwells even is an is a appropriate word to use for events that took place in the Old Testament, but you don't have this permanent indwelling of the Spirit in the life of an Old Testament saint, but they were regenerated. So we're recognizing there, there are some distinctions in the, in the role that the Holy Spirit has played in the life of God's children. And that, that's going to that's gonna matter today as we talk about being filled with the Spirit as well. 
We've also seen just other ways that the Spirit blesses the believer, uh, serves ministers to the believer, in that the Holy Spirit helps us to understand the Word. So, so we're, we're taught, we're guided. The Holy Spirit teaches and guides every believer. We even, we talked about the inspiration of the Spirit um, uh, in, in um, inspiring the Scriptures, but also the illumination of the Spirit that help, helping us to understand the word of God. And so that's, that's an ongoing ministry that the Spirit has in the life of a believer. And we also talked most recently about this, the ministry that the Spirit plays in the life of a believer through giving us gifts, uh, spiritual gifts. And so we, we talked about the gifts that are given to, to believers uh, to benefit one another. And just even in the last few weeks, we talked about how some of those gifts that the Spirit has given, those would be gifts that took place for a season. They, they have ceased. They were, they were gifts that were particularly, um, for, you know, during the apostolic age, you have um, a unique um, ministry of um, a variety of miraculous gifts. And so, so we saw that the Spirit gives spiritual gifts to every believer, but we did note that the sign gifts ceased with the apostolic age. So, why I'm saying all this as somewhat of an introductory statement to talking about being filled with the Holy Spirit is that um, as, we, as we study how the Spirit works in the life of a believer, we do acknowledge, we've seen this before, we're prepared for this reality that, that some aspects of his work, the, the Spirit's work in the life of the believer, some aspects of that work he does only when we are first saved. So give me something even that's been mentioned this morning, something that the Spirit does in the life of a believer, and he does it, and it's, and it's only done when we are first saved. It's not an, an ongoing um, event. It was something the Spirit did when we were saved. Yeah, justification, right? So, so this regenerating work in the life of a believer, uh, there are some aspects that he uh, thinks that the Spirit does only when we are first saved. Then we also see that there are other aspects and, and we, we could list more than we're doing. I'm not trying to be exhaustive in this, but I'm just acknowledging there are some things that the Spirit did that were when we initially came to faith in Christ. There are other aspects that continue through our lives. So what, what would be an example of something that, that is a uh, continuing ministry of the Spirit in the life of a believer? Conviction of sin. Your conviction of sin, very good. Sanctification. Sanct yeah, just sanctification. Um, yeah, that's right. Very good. Also worth noting, though, I, I think, is that there are some aspects of the Spirit's work that, um, that are distinct, different. So if you think of that recognition that there are distinct works of the Spirit in, in the Old Testament where, where saints were regenerated, but they weren't permanently indwelt. Uh, that's why we don't panic. If, if David is, is praying that God would not take the Holy Spirit from him, he's not talking about losing salvation because he's not talking about, um, he, he's not equating indwelling with regenerating. Those were distinct works of the Spirit. So he regenerated all the Old Testament saints. He didn't indwell all the Old Testament saints. New covenant believers, all are regenerated and all are permanently indwelt. We're talking about distinct works of the Spirit. So there are distinct works of the Spirit um, in, in the Old Covenant, in the New Covenant. There is unique ministry that takes place in the Holy Spirit, particularly if you think 
think of the things that were noted in the apostolic age last week, uh, these, these gifts, these sign gifts that were the work of the Spirit. So, why I think all that is helpful is because you walk in here and, and read in Ephesians 5 a command that is given, and it's a command to be filled with the Holy Spirit. This is a command that all of us are to obey. And then when you start walking through, there are going to be cross-references that are on our handout this morning. We're going to start seeing examples of what being filled with the Spirit um, came alongside. That When someone was filled with the Spirit, certain things that took place when they were filled with the Holy Spirit, as we walk through these cross-references in Acts, and you'd think, well, man, if I'm supposed to, if I'm commanded to be filled with the Holy Spirit in Ephesians 5, it, does that look exactly like what um, came alongside someone who was filled with the Holy Spirit as you read through these, these statements in, in the Gospel of Luke and Acts as well? You know, uh, is it, is it going to look like that? What does being filled with the Holy Spirit look like? I want to understand this command. Our command is given. Um, I really want to understand it and I want to obey it. I want to believe it. I want to... Um, Live in light of it. And so I hope that, that that's, that's my aim is to arrive as, after we walk through these cross-references, acknowledging this, the ministry of the Holy Spirit um, by, by filling individuals and in, in what took place and what that looked like. And then, and then arriving here at this last cross-reference in Ephesians 5, I, I hope that we'll, we'll come to grips with what we're being called to in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. Um, so before we even dive into these cross-references, we're talking about an aspect of the Spirit's um, work in the lives of the believers that, that continues throughout all our lives. This is, this is something that we're called to. What's interesting is it's, it's a work of the Spirit. And, and Paul uses this, this word uh, filled with the Spirit. Paul uses it only... The, this is used other places in the scripture, but this is the only place where Paul uses it. Paul talks about being filled with the Spirit. But another statement that Paul is very comfortable using throughout his letters, Paul often speaks of being spiritual. Paul talks often about spiritual things. Uh, let me even just read, I was, I've really benefited from a book. It's called The New Covenant Ministry of the Holy Spirit by Larry Pettigrew. And I was, here's just something he writes in regards to this reality of, of Paul's usage of spiritual. He says, Paul writes of spiritual gifts. We just talked about that last week. He talks of spiritual law, spiritual meat in 1 Corinthians 10. I'm um, concerning all Christians. Paul points out that he that is spiritual judges all things. Um, in 1 Corinthians 3, Paul does this contrast between things that are spiritual and things that are carnal. Um, in Galatians 6, in calling like this call to counsel, he's, he urges those that are spiritual to restore their fallen brother. Uh, in 1 Corinthians 14, he warns the Corinthians that if anyone thinks that he is spiritual, he should obey Paul's teaching. So someone who's spiritual is going to be obedient to the apostolic teaching, is what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14. Uh, Peter, so it's not just Paul that uses the term spiritual, Peter also uses it. And in 1 Peter 2, Peter describes Christians as, as being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices 
acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Well, why I'm referring here to all these cross-references about spiritual is, is to get to this point of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Spiritual is a term that Paul uses, and we might want to ask ourselves, what is meant by spiritual? You know, it's all over the place in the scriptures. What are we talking about when we're talking about someone who is spiritual? And so what I'm going to submit to you here is that obviously someone who is spiritual is someone who is indwelt by the Holy Spirit, who, who walks in obedience to God's commands, indwelt by the Spirit, and they, they walk in accordance to God's words. And so to illustrate this throughout the New Testament, Paul is going to use a variety of metaphors to paint a picture of what is meant by spiritual. So there's going to be these, these metaphors for spirituality in the New Testament. So I think that being filled with the Spirit is one of these metaphors for spirituality. What does it mean to be spiritual? We just read all these, he that is spiritual, he that, um, you know, what is meant by that? Well, we're talking about, you know, someone who's indwelt by the Spirit, who, who walks in accordance to the Word, um, dependent on the Spirit, um, walks in obedience to God's commands. And so Paul's going to use metaphors to help us paint a picture of what is meant by spiritual. Being filled is one of those. There are others. Can we think of some other metaphors? Like walking in the Spirit. He would talk about um, that as well. So there's going to be other metaphors that are used, but today's metaphor will be um, filled with the Spirit. And so I think that... Um, I think this is going to be helpful as we walk it through these cross-references. Just think, what is, what is this term, being filled with the Spirit, even referring to? So let's start looking at these cross-references, and, and we can th think about um, these more carefully. Uh, you're going to notice these are not all the cross-references in the Scriptures to this, but we're looking in the New Testament at the term filled with the Spirit, and there are basically two authors in the New Testament that, that use, use these, these terms, and one more than the other. Luke and Paul both talk about being filled with the Spirit. And so we're going to look at these in two different categories. I think it's important that we acknowledge that as we walk through the New Testament, lo looking at these references to being filled with the Spirit, there are a variety of examples of being filled with the Spirit that were very much unique and special fillings of, of the Spirit, ev um, events that would take place that were very much unique in the life of the individual that was being filled by the Spirit. I also think that the scriptures are very clear that there are times when being filled with the Spirit does not refer to some event, does not refer to, refer to something unique. It's just referring to very much normal Christian living, what it looks like to, to walk in obedience to God's commands. And so we're going to describe these two categories, one as special filling and the other as normal filling. Those terms are not unique to me. I, I borrowed them from that book I just was referencing a few minutes ago by Larry Pettigrew. So let's just look at the cross-references, take note of, of what's going on in these passages, and then when we get to Ephesians 5, verse 18, I think that's where my attempt is going to be to try and put it all together and think carefully about, um, we see the Spirit filling the believer um, in unique ways and in normal ways, in the New Testament. And so then when we get at Ephesians 5.18, 
what is it exactly that Paul is commanding us to when he commands us to be filled with the Spirit? So we need to begin in the Gospel of Luke. Let's start in Luke chapter 1. My guess is that we'll, we'll do this in a pretty rapid fire um, succession, but we can kind of walk through Luke, then we'll go through Acts. So Luke chapter 1, verse 15 Um, well, verse 14, and you will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth. Uh, We're talking about John the Baptist. Verse 15, for he will be great before the Lord and he must not drink wine or strong drink and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. So, I guess I do need to just go ahead and say a few things about where we're going to arrive in Ephesians 5, even to acknowledge what we're not talking about in, in Luke 1. Are we talking about spiritual maturity when you read that someone is going to be filled with the Spirit even in the womb? Um, no, that doesn't sound like something that's related to spiritual maturity. But when we get to Ephesians 5, my, my basic argument is going to be that we're talking about spiritual maturity in Ephesians 5, what, um, what Paul is commanding us to. But when you begin in Luke chapter 1, you even see this work that the Spirit does in the life of John the Baptist, where John the Baptist is filled with the Spirit even in his mother's womb. So as you read that, I think you recognize this is a unique event. It's not even, it's not even something, that is, is something that needs to be repeated. It's just something that the Spirit does in John the Baptist. He is filled with the Holy Spirit, uh, even in his mother's womb. We'll stay in chapter 1, but go over to verse 41. Then um, Elizabeth you know, when she hears in verse 41, and when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. So I think you have this unique event where the Spirit fills um, Elizabeth. She is filled with the Holy Spirit upon revelation of, of Mary's um, pregnancy, when she, when she greets Mary, the baby uh, leaps in her womb, and Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit. Still staying in chapter 1, then go down to verse 67. This is now, so we've seen John the Baptist, we've seen Elizabeth, and now we see Zechariah in verse uh, 67, Luke 1, and his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. So in verse 67, Zechariah is filled with the Holy Spirit. This is again a unique event that takes place. And what is manifested by being filled with the Holy Spirit is that he then prophesies. And so then you can go on to read what is prophesied. But the prophecy came about by being filled with the Holy Spirit. So Luke uses this term to describe um, three different things that are very much unique and they're, they're not repeated. Uh, John the Baptist filled with the Holy Spirit in the womb. Elizabeth filled with the Holy Spirit uh, um, upon feeling her baby leap in her womb, uh, motivated by this conversation with Mary, running into Mary. Zachariah filled with the Holy Spirit um, and, and so then prophesies. 
Well, well, still talking about Luke as author, go then to the gospel of Luke and see it's not just in Acts where we, where, um, I'm sorry, it's not just in Luke, it's also in Acts. Go over to Acts and look at these unique fillings of the Holy Spirit in the life of individual saints. Um, we looked at Luke, let's look at Acts. Acts chapter two, we, we talked about this um, on a variety of occasions in our, in our talks on the miraculous gifts, this whole event at Pen- Pentecost. But in Acts chapter two, verse four, um, those who were there, um, uh, you know what? Let's go ahead and start at the beginning of the chapter. When the day of Pentecost, verse one of chapter two, arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting and divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each of them and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Go well, thankfully uh, we, we've thought very carefully about the issue of, of speaking in tongues the last couple weeks but you'll notice that even at this event of speaking in tongues here at Pentecost it was brought on by those who were filled with the Holy Spirit. You can see why this is going to matter when we then move to Ephesians 5 if we're commanded to be filled with the Holy Spirit. If you equate being filled with the Holy Spirit as reproducing all of these different effects of every, t- every reference to being filled with the Holy Spirit, we'd already find ourselves in, in quite a bit of, of trouble between Acts chapter 2, but also even in those um, events in Luke chapter 1. But let's keep going. So they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and so then they began to speak in tongues. Move over to chapter 4, Acts 4, verse 8. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well." This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. I went ahead and just continued to read what, what Peter's comments are here. When you, when you see there in verse 8 that he's filled with the Holy Spirit, and then you go on to read what he has said, you're seeing this, this uh, truth, boldness, courage in proclaiming the truth that is brought on by being filled with, with the Holy Spirit. So Peter is filled with the Holy Spirit here in 4 verse 8, uh, 431. Um, when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Go over a few more pages, chapter 9. Acts 9, verse 17. After the conversion of Saul, you know, and he's met by Ananias. Uh, Ananias departed and entered the house, verse 17. And laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you came, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so Paul is going to, 
he's been converted, and now he's going to be um, filled with the Holy Spirit to carry out this apostolic, or to, to initiate this apostolic ministry that, that Paul will, will soon begin. But he's filled, he, he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, is what Ananias tells him, so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Again, none of these references have had anything to do yet with spiritual maturity. Uh, verse thir- chapter 13, verse 9, Saul, who is also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him and said, You son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, full of all deceit and villainy, will you not stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? So again, you're just seeing this, this being filled with the Holy Spirit that empowers Paul to say what is needed to be said with conviction, with truth. Uh, he, he says this, filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay, that was a lot of, of cross-references. What I'm trying to show you, though, is that I don't want us to avoid this reality. This is in the scripture. You have these unique and, and miraculous uh, events that are brought on by someone being filled with the Holy Spirit. The Spirit comes upon someone. There were several cross-references where it was Peter. So, so Peter's filled with the Spirit. Then again, later in Acts, Peter again is filled with the Spirit. Paul, he's filled with the Spirit back in Acts chapter 9. Then again, here we just read in Acts chapter 13, again, Paul is filled with the Holy Spirit. I think these are all instances where the Spirit came upon in unique ways an individual to carry out some unique task. So whether it was John the Baptist in the womb, Elizabeth carrying John the Baptist, um, Zechariah prophesying, Paul uh, being converted and then placed into this role, Peter stating these things courageously that needed to be said. All of these events that were brought on by being filled with the Holy Spirit were unique events that, that brought on these unique results. But that's not the only way that Luke uses this term of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Luke doesn't only refer to being filled with the Spirit to, to speak of unique, special, filling events. He also uses it to describe just normal Christian living. Actually, he uses it to describe spiritual maturity as well. So we don't have to panic when Luke uses a word um, in different ways. And so look at how Luke uses uh, filling in other places in, in both the Gospel of Luke and in Acts. So go back to Luke chapter 4, just to talk about the life and, and ministry of Christ even. Luke chapter 4, verse 1. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days. And so, so you just, Jesus, in his humanity, walked in the Spirit. Jesus was led by the Spirit. Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit. I do think, as you read Luke, I'm sorry, yeah, Luke 4, I think that you can see spiritual maturity that is being implied in regards to the life and ministry of Christ. For Jesus to be full of the Holy Spirit, this certainly would be very consistent with speaking of someone who is very much 
spiritually mature. Jesus was full of the Spirit, so he returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness. Well, we'll go over to Acts, and I think we'll also see examples where someone is full of the Holy Spirit, and I don't think it's in reference to some unique, supernatural, or unique, um, specific task. It's, it's more just being filled with the Holy Spirit to communicate that someone was very much spiritually mature. So we're going to go to Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter 6, uh, starting in the beginning of the chapter again. Now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It's not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the Holy Spirit, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. I really think that Acts 6 is, is very helpful in us grasping. Um, this, this notion that, when, that what, what I'm talking about, this command that we're going to be given in Ephesians 5 is very much consistent with this command to be mature, to be spiritually mature, to walk in accordance to um, God's commands. Because in Acts 6, you have uh, pastor, shepherd, elders who are, are, are serving tables and, and, and in a way that they're, they're not able to carry out their task of teaching um, and so they're in need of assistance so that they can continue to devote themselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And so what's the solution to bringing on um, someone to, to help them to devote themselves to prayer and ministry of the word? The solution is to find those who are filled with the spirit to, um, to do this, this, this work of service. Um, verse 3. Uh, Pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. So they're not looking, what I'm getting at here, they're not looking for, for those, those, those things that took place in, in all of those cross-references that we talked about uh, that, that I think can be characterized by special filling. That They're looking for just someone that is characterized by something. Someone who's full of the Spirit is characterized by godliness. That's, they, are, they are spiritually mature. Um, well, what does spiritually mature look like? Well, a metaphor to describe someone who's spiritually mature is someone who is characterized by the Spirit. Someone is full of the Spirit. Who are we going to find for this task? Someone who is spiritually mature. Someone who is full of the Spirit. And so that's, that's who they go looking for, um, finding someone who is full of the Spirit. So then move over to verse 5. And what they said pleased the whole gathering, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. And then they go on to list Philip. You know, they, they list these other men that they found. Well, the first one they mention here, Stephen. Stephen falls into this category of those who are full of the Spirit. Uh, Stephen, in his spiritual maturity, he's a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. All right, go over to Acts chapter 11. So Barnabas, um, 
Verse 23, when he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad and he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose for he was a good man full of the Holy Spirit and of faith and a great many people were added to the Lord. So again, I think Acts 6, 5, speaking of Stephen, Acts 11, speaking of Barnabas, but even Acts 6, 3, just talking about, let's find some men who are um, just mature, uh, men who are full of faith, men who are full of the Holy Spirit. I think this is a helpful metaphor that Luke uses not only to, to speak of, uh, and here, to, here to speak of spiritual maturity. Luke's not hesitant to use it this way even when he's already used it to speak of special, unique events as well. Here he's using it just a, a normal Christian living, spiritual maturity is this metaphor that Luke uses when he uses the term full of the Spirit. And he's not the only one to do it. Well, there's one more time that he does this. Thir- uh, 1352 as well. Let's just look at one more of, of Luke's usage. Luke, uh, I'm sorry, Acts 1352. 1352, we read um, just about all the disciples here. Um, and the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. So if you think, what does this even describe? What, were, what did the disciples look like? How would you characterize the disciples? Well, they were characterized by joy. They were characterized by spiritual maturity. So how do you describe someone who's characterized by joy, characterized by spiritual maturity? Well, let's say that they were filled with it. The disciples were filled with joy. The disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit. And so, so Luke is comfortable using that term throughout to describe those who are spiritually mature. All right, that's, that's um, the examples from Luke. Now, let's, before we get to Ephesians 5.18, let's just look at one more verse. It's Romans chapter 15. We're now looking at, at under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, some of Paul's um, statements that, that very much help us to understand how, how, how the scriptures go to use metaphors to describe spiritual maturity. So Romans 15, verses 13 and 14, Paul writes this, Romans 15, 13, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. And so there's not a call to be filled with the Holy Spirit here, but you are seeing a man who uses the word spiritual a lot in his letters that then also will use metaphors to describe what it looks like to be spiritual using metaphor here again to describe what it looks like to be characterized by godliness, what it looks like to be characterized by maturity. So Paul says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. May, may they be characterized by joy. May they be filled with joy. May they be filled with peace so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Okay, so that's what, that's what I'm about to say. Uh, this, is the, this is what I'm convinced of here is that when we arrive at Ephesians 5, verse 18, Paul's gonna command us to something. He commands us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And as you read through the New Testament, you do find occasions where somebody is filled with the Holy Spirit and they do miraculous gifts. There are times when somebody is filled with the Holy Spirit and they, um, 
are currently in the womb of their mother. <laughs> there are times when someone is filled with the Holy Spirit and they respond by prophesying truth. So, so there are, this is a reality that, that someone was uniquely filled with the Spirit to do certain things. And we read that in the scriptures. But we also read of just more of a normal example of just Christian living, an, um, a metaphor to describe spiritual maturity. And, and so I think that's what Paul is doing here when he gives us this command in Ephesians 5. And I really think as we walk through it, it actually might be quite obvious what Paul is even talking about when he says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Why this matters is because when people... Um, we come to grips with, we're commanded to do something. What does it look like? There's disagreement about what it means. Some would say someone who is filled with the Spirit means somebody who speaks in tongues. Somebody who is filled with the Spirit means somebody who prophesies. That's, that, uh, that's not a necessary argument. Um, it, it, it's not, it, the text does not mandate that. Um, someone is filled with the Holy Spirit when they um, do what I think you see listed here after Paul's command to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Someone that is filled with the Holy Spirit is somebody who is spiritually mature. Look at verse 18 and then follow what, well, just look at what follows. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Holy Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. What does it look like to be filled with the Holy Spirit in Ephesians 5? That's where we're commanded. This is a command. There, there was no, um, there was no, well, actually, I was just about to begin a sentence that I, I'm glad I didn't finish. I think I would have said something I, that would not have been accurate. So let me just move on from that. Here we go. In this, you have this command that is given by Paul, and um, he then describes what this command, what uh, obedience to this command is going to look like. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Someone who is filled with the Holy Spirit is someone who is characterized by grateful praise. Someone who is characterized by godly um, gratitude, by godly relationships. Someone who is filled with the Holy Spirit, it affects how they think, live, and breathe. Someone who's filled with the Holy Spirit um, is going to do the things that you see listed after verse 18. And even the example that is given is very much helpful to even see filled with the Holy Spirit has something to do with being characterized by something. Because look at what it's contrasted with. Verse 18 says, Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. Somebody who is drunk with wine, what are they under the influence of? So, wine, right. What are they characterized by? Well, yeah, this debauchery, um, ungodliness. Do not get drunk with wine. Um, you're, you'd be, if someone who's drunk with wine is under the influence of wine. Somebody who's drunk with wine is characterized by debauchery. So then think of the, the contrast here then. Don't be drunk with wine. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, then you could ask the same questions of filling here. Someone who is filled with the Holy Spirit, what are they under the influence of? 
the Holy Spirit? What are they characterized by? Godly living. They're characterized by holiness. And so, so there's, there's not this command from Paul to then carry out um, some specific, uh, unique, miraculous act. Paul's command is characterized by spiritual maturity. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. We ought not ignore a command from God. That would be sinful, unwise, foolish, uh, deadly. Uh, We are commanded to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So we don't ignore this command, but we want to understand the command. And I believe the command is really a command unto spiritual maturity. I've said that enough here. Well, you have in front of you... um, really this, this sister text of Ephesians 5 that I think even kind of helps us because we're given a synonym for being filled with the Holy Spirit or, you know, um, just another, another equal um, metaphor here. What, what does it look like to be spiritually mature? In Ephesians 5, he tells us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, if you turned over to Colossians chapter 3, you are commanded to something as well. And we're commanded to let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Well, what is that in reference to? I think you can say, well, spiritual maturity. Who, what does it look like to let the word of Christ dwell in you richly? Well, that's going to be somebody who is spiritually mature. Just as Ephesians 5 says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. What does that look like? What is that referring to? It's someone who's spiritually mature. So look at all of what Paul says. Well, after in Ephesians 5, he says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. That the, um, the results that, that he talks about are someone who's filled with the Holy Spirit is going to address one another with psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing and making melody. Someone who's filled with the Holy Spirit gives thanks to God the Father. Someone who's filled with the Holy Spirit, uh, would, a wife who's full of the Holy Spirit would be one who submits to her husband. A husband who's full of the Holy Spirit is someone who would love his wife. Children who are full of the Holy Spirit are going to obey their parents. Fathers who are filled with the Holy Spirit are not going to provoke their children. Bond servants obeying their masters, masters uh, doing the same to them. That's what that's what we see. These godly relationships that are that are characterized by um, spiritual maturity, godliness, because these individuals are those who are filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, in Colossians three, the command from Paul is to let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Well, what does that look like? And it with, with with just a few small different word usages, it's basically exactly the same. Okay, so letting the word of Christ dwell in you richly looks exactly like being filled with the Holy Spirit because Paul says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with thankfulness, giving thanks to God. Uh, And then it goes on to list those exact same relationships in the family between husband and wife, in the family between parents and children, um, and then even in relationship to how servants and their masters would, would relate to one another. And so, so what I'm trying to submit to us here is that this call is, is one of, of a call that we are dependent on the Spirit in our lives to, um, to walk in obedience to God's commands. We're, we're called to be spiritual. What does spiritual look like 
Because I think someone who's spiritual is somebody who is mature. Someone who is spiritual is someone who understands the word. Somebody who is spiritual has the ability to help struggling Christians. Somebody who's spiritual um, is is obedient to the apostolic teaching. That's somebody who's spiritual. Well, how can I describe what it is to be spiritual then? Well, there's a metaphor that that Paul's going to use. Somebody who's spiritual is somebody who is full of the Holy Spirit. Somebody who is spiritual is characterized by, um, under the influence of, um, controlled by the Spirit. And so that's our call that, that all Christians are given in Ephesians 5, to be filled with the Spirit think that's helpful to, to follow up even after last week when we're, when we're recognizing that or identifying certain gifts that we think ceased with the apostolic age. Please don't hear in that any less of a reliance on the Holy Spirit in the life of, of this. If Grace Church is not dependent on the Spirit, if Grace Church doesn't seek to be filled with the Holy Spirit, we're not going to be walking in godliness. We're not going to be walking in God's ways. We're not going to be honoring the Lord. We're not going to be glorifying God as you read. Um, that's the result here in both Ephesians 5 and in, in Colossians 3. God is made much of as they give thanks to God the Father um, in being filled with the Holy Spirit. They glorify God and serve one another. And so I think that's very helpful for us to be thinking of. That's, that's the aim here in our, our call to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's, it's really rather um, normal. It's just godliness. It's maturity. Let's let the word of Christ dwell in us. Let's be obedient to God's commands. Let's serve one another. Let's speak truth into the lives of, of struggling Christians. Let's, let's understand and obey the word of God. Um, and, and, and that is what it is to be filled with the spirit. Um, let me go ahead and, and close this in, in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can we gather, as, as mentioned earlier, as a, as a body of believers to, to make much of you, to be equipped for the work of ministry. God, I pray that even our, our time that we gather here today would be characterized by being filled with the Spirit. God, as we go into this next hour, we have the opportunity to, to be obedient to your commands that, that we read in both Ephesians and, and Colossians to... to um, let the word of Christ dwell in us richly, to be filled with the Spirit, to address one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, to give grateful praise unto you who alone is worthy of our praise. Um, God, we have the opportunity as we leave here today to be filled with the Holy Spirit in the way that we relate to one another in our homes, in the workplace, in, in all of our life. God, may we be characterized by spiritual maturity. May we be under the influence of the Holy Spirit. May we walk in obedience to your commands. So so we're dependent on the Spirit to do this work in and through us. So we do pray that, that you would be glorified in our lives. God, we love you and thank you and praise you for this time. Um, it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.